What's up, podcast listeners? In this episode, I speak with Kim Kircher, president of K2 Outcomes, which specializes in the connection of agriculture, food, and health for both individuals and organizations. Kim is also a uh, registered dietitian as well as a personal trainer, and she's pretty much been around the food supply chain her entire life ever since growing up on a farm. So we have a great discussion about how the coronavirus pandemic has really changed the way consumers think about food, both from the way they shop for food, the way they store food, and the way they prepare food in their homes since we're all on lockdown these days. So a lot of great information here that's beneficial for both food retailers and the suppliers on how to engage consumers during this time but also some takeaways that we can apply once this pandemic is over. So enjoy. What's up, podcast listeners? Uh, thank you for joining us. I got a great guest here today. Uh, with me is Kim Kircher, the president of K2 Outcomes, which uh, specializes in uh, the connection of agriculture, food, and health for individuals and organizations. So Kim, thank you so much for joining. Hi, Joe. Thanks for having me. So, um, Kim and I have known each other for a long time. We go way back. I think we met at, I don't know, I think it was an IGA or an NGA event when you were speaking. Yep. I think that's right. And in retail in general, we've known each other and kind of crossed paths, I think, even before that, too. So, a long time indeed. Yep, I know you've been a source for stories when I was a trade media editor uh, on numerous occasions, so uh, I'm glad that we were able to connect again. And uh, uh, how are things going for you over there in Chicago? They're going well, and actually today is a nice sunny day, and it's really nice to see everybody doing everything that they can, especially right now, to take care of themselves and help protect others, too. So all of these things that people are doing that sometimes doesn't feel like you're doing anything staying home, washing your hands, doing what we can do. Super important right now, and I just appreciate what everybody's doing. How about you? Same here. I mean, I've started, especially over the past few days, I think as it's as New York's, you know, uh, uh, confirmed incidents have gotten more and more, I mean, now we're the epicenter, I think people are taking it a little more seriously, and they're uh, maintaining their social distance and not going out as much. I'm staying in almost all the time because, you know, when you look at it now, the hospitals are so packed that now is the worst time to really, you know, get the virus. Like if you contract it today and the symptoms don't show for a week or 10 days, by then the hospitals are going to be overloaded. So I'm doing my best to kind of stay away from everything. And, uh, you know, maybe, I mean, I am going out once a day just to take a quick walk around the block, get a little sunlight. Uh, maybe go in and out and pick up some takeout because uh, I still want to support, you know, my local restaurants. But uh, other than that, getting a lot more reading done. Well, and I think that's a great time to hit the reset button. In fact, I was just writing about this the other day because I feel like when we're forced on a hard stop on all the things that we've been doing, there's a lot of times that we get so busy and we accidentally kind of think that motion is progress. And so being the ever optimist that I try to be, I really hope that people say, you know what, maybe there's a different way I can do this. Maybe I do have time to read a book or cook for myself and really start to plan meals. And I think that's going to be the positive output of this if people let it be. 
I've been cooking a lot of my own meals. To, you know, normally I'm always getting uh, going out to eat or, you know, so that's one thing that's definitely changed is uh, um, I've, I've really focused a lot more on what I'm eating. And, and this is a good segue because we're going to be getting into this conversation. But, you know, I focus a lot more on eating better foods, uh, foods that are, might have some immunity boosting properties. So, uh, but before we get into all of that, um, could you give everybody a little bit of a background on your history? And because a lot of what you've done in your experience is very relevant for what, uh, for our conversation, which is going to be all about the impact on, you know, how we consume and shop for food and how we sell food. Yeah, thank you for that. And I became a registered dietitian for my own personal reasons. I actually had some health stuff going on the summer after I graduated from high school. And when I started thinking about health and wellness and prevention, I thought, wow, what can I do to learn about the science behind some of the choices that we make with our food so I know that I'm doing the best for myself and my family? And then because of that, it's really easy to connect with people and help them inspire and inform their decisions too. So Really throughout my career, whether I worked as an outpatient dietitian or I worked in retail, I'm actually here in Chicago, as we mentioned, and I was with Dual Osco for 10 years, and then I worked for America's Dairy Farmers for five years. And when you look across the food supply chain, from farm to our table, and then even beyond that into food waste, that's really where I'm focusing is saying, okay, through that journey of food and through people's journey of their personal decisions, how do we inspire and inform people and honor their cultural and personal preferences, but really help them reconnect to things that maybe they don't have a connection to a farm or a farmer, maybe they don't know how to cook, or they don't understand all of the infrastructure that makes our food supply so amazing. And that's one of the things that I think right now, people are starting to have an opportunity to say, wow, I never knew that the food supply chain did that. Wow, retailers are amazing how they handle food safety, even when we don't even think about it and we're running into a store or a restaurant, all of the different checks and balances that are in place to help keep our food safe. We always think about the deliciousness factor, and that's important too, but I think there's an opportunity to tell the story. So that's really what I try to help is connect the dots and say, okay, what are your concerns? What are your questions? What gets you excited about your food choices, your lifestyle choices? And how can we do it better if we need to and celebrate what we're already doing great? So I think there's a really cool opportunity right now to tell stories in a very different way and they'll be heard better right now. So I think that's a positive too. Yep. It's uh, safety uh, is, is particularly on the forefront of everybody's minds these days. So, yep. uh, so you know, what are you seeing as far as the, the overall impact of this pandemic on the whole food su supply chain. I mean, obviously, there's a mad. There was a mad rush of people buying, <laughs> stocking up on foods and stuff. But so, what what are you seeing from that uh, uh, high macro perspective? I think there's a lot of people who maybe have been kind of handling things day to day. What am I going to eat? Lunch is in an hour. Dinner. What am I going to do tonight? And I think this is really helping people be forced into meal planning a little bit more. How can we make our dollars stretch? How can we make our food stretch? How do we really make leftovers last and make them just as tasty the next couple of days? So I think from that perspective, having everybody take that collective deep breath and say, okay, you know what? This is a great time to say we should always be stocking up and really reintroducing ourselves to frozen, dried, canned, and fresh because all of those play an incredible role and they have a wonderful food safety component, a convenience component. 
and they make it easy to take grocery shopping and say, okay, I'm going to run to the store for the next few days, but then what else can I buy and put in my freezer and in my pantry? So I've always got all five food groups on hand. And I think that's one of the wonderful things that people can really do for themselves is figure out that it's really not that hard to have a balanced meal. You don't need to make elaborate sauces and all kinds of crazy stuff. It's actually pretty easy to just go in the kitchen and say, okay, well, let me picture my plate. There's five food groups. You've got your fruits, your veg, your grain, your protein, and your dairy. How can I build a meal that's got at least two or three of those food groups and make it delicious in a simple way? And I think there's an opportunity to shop that whole store and revisit some of those opportunities that maybe we forgot. Well, you know, it's interesting you mentioned that because I'm a case study in someone who's done the exact opposite. I mean, up until this <laughs> happened, my cupboard and my refrigerator was pretty much empty. I would uh, either, uh, you know, I do intermittent fasting, so I don't eat breakfast, but I would uh, eat out most of the time or, you know, get takeout. I mean, I would make sure I get healthy foods, but I just wouldn't yep. have them in my house. And my cooking skills are basically limited to omelets and whatever I can put on the George Foreman grill. And so then That's when this... That's a pretty this, good thing, Joe. <laughs> you know what? It's amazing what you can accomplish just between the two of them. Yeah. So, but, you know, and then just over time, as I've been trying to eat healthier, I would, you know, put, you know, I'd make omelets with broccoli in it or peppers in it, you know. Yep. But it wasn't until this happened when I realized, wow, I really don't know how to shop for food in that sense, because, you know, the first thing I did was, you know, I made a mad rush at the worst time after everybody had already, you know, taken everything off the shelf. So I just got, mm -hmm. you know, like canned stew and soups and all that stuff. But then, you know, once kind of people started restocking, I, you know, I would start getting, you know, I would get like four uh, dozen eggs because I do, you know, I have omelets regularly. So four dozen eggs. I'd stock up on the vegetables what I need. I still didn't know how many I would need. And sometimes I would get too much. Sometimes I would get too little, you know. Then I would, yep. you know, start getting meats. And, you know, and, and what's funny is I was talking to a colleague about all the things I stocked up on. And then he told me, he's like, yeah, I just filled my fr freezer with meats. And then I realized I didn't have any meats in the free i mean that's the way it is i'm a new yorker mm -hmm. uh living in an apartment i have 30 restaurants outside my door so i i would always just assume that it's always going to be available and then this drove that home the importance of putting that stuff together and then it made me realize well you know what i can cook some really good stuff with my limited capabilities and that's healthy and, uh, you know, uh, has those food groups. So it was a big eye-opener yeah. for me personally. And I think a lot of people, particularly in metropolitan areas, you know, uh, urban areas, where they have a lot of this, you know, where they typically don't pantry fill. I think you just described so many people's experience with this. And so let's kind of just chat about a, a couple of different components because I love what you just said because, first of all, there's a lot of ways to get food that you need healthy. We're so lucky in this country. We've got an affordable, abundant food supply. We've got grocery stores. We've got restaurants. We've got so many different ways that meet our lifestyle, and we can adjust because we've got that supply chain that we do. So 
I think that's the cool part is people who've been kind of doing their thing and exactly as you described, all of a sudden push pause, how else can I do this? Well, I didn't think about that. And you start to have those conversations and you start to follow dietitians and social media, hopefully, and chefs and farmers to kind of see, well, what's really going on? And all of a sudden you've got these wonderful ideas. All of a sudden your kitchen confidence all of a sudden gives you this other way that you can do things. So I think that's the really cool part of this is it's going to build people's confidence, hopefully, in what they can accomplish for themselves. And that's why I will always go back to that my plate visual because if you can picture a plate with multiple food groups, every single food group does something different for our body. And so as you completely plan differently and you're going about your day differently with your food, it's like, okay, well, I know I need more than just one big pile of whatever on my plate. That's not good enough anymore. We need to make, it never was, but lots of people were surviving that way. This is a chance for us to say, okay, well, here's what I know I can do. Here's the pots and pans that I have. Here's what I like to eat. How can I tuck some of these other things in? And that's where those frozen fruits and vegetables can come in, the canned goods, to your point, meat. There's all kinds of things that you can do to make those meals really interesting. As you and I were chatting about even doing this podcast, we were talking about the center store. And to me, that's where the ingredients come to life because that's where your herbs and spices are. You've got some whole grains down those aisles. So really taking the time when you do make those runs to the grocery store and thinking in advance, like maybe even printing out a recipe and saying, wow, this sounds good. I think the directions sound like something I can do. Look in your pantry to say, what do I already have? If you've got nothing, that's an opportunity to choose that recipe as a shopping list. But don't be afraid to hit the whole store because there are wonderful choices throughout the store to help you make things taste delicious. Well, and, and that's a great point. And, uh, uh, and what's funny is, you know, when you talked about, you know, people experimenting or learning new techniques, <clears throat> you know, like I said, I have the George Foreman grill and I would typically, you know, I realize I'm like, wow, you know, I could grill fresh, I could grill vegetables on this thing yeah. while I'm cooking the meat. And I saw, I remember going to a steakhouse and I had grilled broccoli. And it was just charred mm -hmm. a little bit, and it was amazing. And then I just, I don't know why it took me so long to just remember that and figure it out. And then, so I did that, and it's just, so now that's, with every, you know, I've been going broccoli crazy uh, uh, because I love the way it tastes. You know, I'll put peppers on the grill, you know. So, uh, but the other thing that you mentioned, which is something that <clears throat> I completely didn't even think of, was the frozen, frozen and canned vegetables. And I mm -hmm. think that is another key point because uh, two things that are, that are going on here is that I think that the coronavirus is doing, and one kind of reinforces the others. One is, you know, I think people all of a sudden started thinking, certainly I did, is what are the foods that I can eat that are going to help me have a stronger immunity, right? We all know a lot of the immunity is in the gut and the gut is, you know, the comes from gut health comes from what you're eating. And so, you know, I started looking up different types of foods and, and, you know, it makes made me want to uh, eat a wider variety and a little bit healthier. But then the second part is, so many times, and I think it's something that a lot of consumers just think of, 
is that when they think of healthy foods, they think of the perimeter only. But mm-hmm. as we discussed, Not the um, yeah, the center store is a gold mine of, of uh, healthy food if you know what to look for. Could you talk a little bit about that and walk us through some of the different areas in the center store where they can find these things? Yes, and I love that you brought this up because that's one thing that you cannot eat your way out of this. With this virus, we have to follow what the CDC is telling us. We want to wash our hands. We want to cook our food properly, follow good food safety, as we always do. And with that said, this is one of those moments where it shows us the importance of eating balanced meals, getting enough sleep, getting the right activity amounts every single day. So when something like this happens, you've kept yourself as healthy as possible to get yourself through this. So you, like I said, you cannot eat your way out of this particular situation. But what we can do is uncover the science and really apply it to what we're trying to do every single day to live our best, healthiest lives. And I think to your point about going through the whole store and just really unpacking what that means, when we think of those different food groups, most people don't realize that simple visual of that plate with the five food groups is actually based in current science as we know it with the dietary guidelines, which are reviewed every five years. And when you actually dig into each one of those food groups, so let's start with fruits and vegetables because you just mentioned the canned and frozen and we've been talking about that a little bit. And I didn't, even think, of, I didn't even think about those until you yeah. brought them up because I never shopped for them before. So, Yeah, and they're a beautiful taste compliment. You mentioned the steakhouse. You get a loin chop, you want that pile of broccoli next to it because that's a delicious food combination. And from a nutrition standpoint, you're getting protein, you're getting a nutrient-rich source of protein with other delightful vitamins and minerals that we don't even probably need to list at this point because they're just there. And same with that other choice. So as you're going through the store, feel confident in buying fresh, dried, canned, frozen. Now, obviously, we want to look at the, the details of that. And if you're buying canned fruit, you're going to have a little bit less fiber in most cases. So then we think, well, can we buy a grain like a bread which is or cereal that has a little bit more fiber to it? Can we buy those fruits that are in 100% juice or water pack? When we're buying our vegetables, you can drain and rinse and get rid of a lot of that added sodium in that water. So there's a lot of things that we can do as we're buying these convenience things that last longer on our shelf. We're still getting those vitamins, minerals, phytochemicals, all those wonderful healthy nutrients that we need. And they're just in different forms that make it easy for us to do different things with them. Like maybe you're going to put a little bit of dried fruit in your salad. Okay, well, that sounds great. So there's fun things that you can do that really maximize the other micronutrients, the vitamins and minerals, phytochemicals that maybe we don't always focus on. You know, I think a lot of times people get caught up thinking about protein, carbohydrate, and fat. Well, those are great, but what you get with those is everything. And so as you're tootling up and down the aisles, don't feel bad about buying all of those things. Feel really confident about them because frozen vegetables in a bag they're time savers. So maybe you've got kids at home and you're trying to help them with their e-learning. You've also got your job that you're doing remotely now. You probably don't want to be chopping vegetables on a conference call. So you pull that bag of frozen veggies out. They're already chopped, washed, ready to rumble, and you don't have food waste from that bag. You're going to use everything that's in that bag. So 
there's a lot of bonus attributes that people are looking for. So when we mix it up and let's say we run out of fresh, you can confidently move on to those other forms and still get really good nutrition from them. Or in a situation like now where we want to stock up on as much shelf-stable items as we can, that's where the canned and the frozen, you know, comes into play. So we always know we're going to have something available just in case for some reason it's, you know, the fresh stuff isn't available wherever we shop. Yeah, and I think that's really important for people to know, too. They don't need to overstock. Nobody needs to go to the store and panic purchase right now. We want to plan our purchases. So this has been something that I've consistently talked with my audiences about. I'll, I'll use air quotes and say forever because we all have busy lives. And sometimes we end up on a business trip and maybe we don't have time to go shopping right when we get home. If you have a well-stocked kitchen, you've got things in the freezer. You mentioned meat in the freezer, veg in the freezer, fruit in the freezer. What are the grains? Pasta, rice, cereal. If you have some of those things on hand that you've got well-stocked in all of the areas that you've got, and I know a lot of people are in condos or apartments that have smaller refrigerators, maybe there's a small freezer, really maximize that storage space that you've got, whether it's in a cabinet or it's in your fridge and freezer, so you've got things that you need when life throws us a curveball, whatever that means. Maybe you're sick, maybe you just have flu or whatever is happening, you break a leg and it's hard to get to the store, so Having those moments where it's like, you know, we don't need to overdo it, but we just need to be mindful that life sometimes throws us these curveballs, I'll say it again, because we just need to be prepared. Well, I think uh, also you bring up a good point in, you know, how we're living during this time. You know, you have kids that are stuck at home, they're doing e-learning. So now your, you know, a parent's time may be divided between they're working at home, but then also they're making sure their kids are getting educated online, you know, through whatever online programs they use. So they're, they're, there's not as much time available for mm -hmm. them, but they still want to be able to, you know, they don't want to, they're not going to eat out all the time or have takeout. All, I mean, they can't eat out now, but they're not going to order takeout every single day if you've got a family of five, but you're going to have less time available to you to prep meals because all the kids are home, you're keeping them entertained, you're making sure they're getting educated, and all of those things that are filling their time now that we're all in lockdown. And this is a great teachable moment because kids can be in the kitchen and help with different tasks, and it can actually be part of their learning too. And let's say you're going to make spaghetti and meatballs for dinner. Maybe they could look up a couple of facts like where did spaghetti first come from? Where did these foods originate? So all of a sudden, there could be a really fun cultural or geography lesson tied to dinner in a super fun way. Maybe it's that they get to boil the water for the pasta for the first time. Obviously, we want to be age appropriate with some of those tasks. But having conversation and getting the whole family, whatever that means, kids, adults, people who've not been in the kitchen together before, this is a super opportunity to help build some skills that are going to last a lifetime that are really positive. And it's a moment that is going to last because we need to eat and we need to support our health every single day. So helping people establish that and feel comfortable in the kitchen, that's going to be a skill that lasts a lifetime. And by the way, it's pretty fun when you think about where food comes from, literally, like what country is it from and what herbs and spices is your area of the country known for? I mean, I think 
that's one of those fun things we used to call staycations. Remember when that term came out? Yep, yep. Well, what if we take a trip around the world on our plate? And what if we say, hey, what's your favorite state or what state we live in? What are we known for growing here? And you can actually find that information out and say, what kind of farms and ranches are in our area? What kinds of herbs and spices is the cuisine for our area known for? Or other countries that maybe kids are learning about in school. So there's a real opportunity here to connect learning and culture and fun and flavor, all of that, which supports a nutritious meal because all of those different foods work together on our plate and all of those foods are grown locally by farmers and ranchers where it makes sense to do that. So it's a really fun opportunity to have those kinds of conversations right now. Yep, definitely. And uh, so put your retailer hat on <clears throat> for a minute. And if you were still, you know, a dietitian at a retail, food retailer, what would you be doing right now? I mean, granted, they're all in crisis mode, but what are some of the things they could be doing during this time to kind of get the word out about cons to consumers about all these things? And how would mm -hmm. you, once we're all through this, how would, you know, you get this, what would you be saying to shoppers uh, ongoing? I think this is a wonderful opportunity to tell the full story with the back of the house, like, hey, these are the steps we're taking to manage food waste. Get the butcher and the pharmacist and any, the dietitian, any in-house experts that you have on staff, and do a Facebook Live with them. Hey, can I answer your questions about this cut of meat or how to properly wash your hands or what over-the-counter things you might want to stock up on to make sure your pantry or your, your bathroom pantry, if you will, um, your medicine cabinet is stocked up. So having those experts really help share some tips and tricks while they're shopping, answering some of the common questions that are coming in through your customer care lines would be ideal. And I think just a steady drumbeat, and this is something that I talk to retailers about regularly, is really thinking about health and wellness as a customer service opportunity, not just a marketing program. Marketing is super important. And marketing becomes a vehicle when it's used well to tell the science behind food. And I see people doing that in retail establishments all over the place. Healthy recipes, the nutritional information is there, all those wonderful things. And now we can talk about some of those other back-of-the-house things and really help people understand and be proud of the, the grocery stores in their communities and the restaurants in their communities. Because there's things in place that people have no idea. And so it's a really good opportunity to help people understand the infrastructure a little bit better and to connect them with those experts through social media, through virtual chats. And I would do that all the time. Like if you've got an editorial calendar, what are your opportunities to connect and tell those messages even deeper? So Earth Day's coming up in April. Can we talk about recycling? Can we talk about packaging and answer some of those questions and showcase all of the wonderful things that retailers do every single day? I think that would be amazing if we could help people get more educated and informed um, in a very storytelling way about some of those moments. And now now with social media, it's a little bit easier to do. Everybody can do it. They can all get in on the game. All you need is a phone, and, uh, uh, and then you can get the word out. Yeah, absolutely. And it's okay to have fun in a serious time, and I think we all need to keep our sense of humor with that. And the more informed and confident you feel about your food and cooking for yourself and caring for those leftovers. If you do do a takeout moment, 
the more you feel confident with your food safety skills, the more fun you can have in moments that are even serious too. And that's true for health conditions. If you've got some health condition, whether it's something with your heart or diabetes, the more informed you are, you can manage your food and have fun in the kitchen and confidently create things that are supporting whatever health goals that you have. And, you know, it's definitely changed the way I look at it because, like I mentioned before, and, and talking to you has changed it too because in uh, before I talked to you, you know, when I was just trying to fill up my pantry with shelf-stable items, I didn't even think to look for canned fruit, uh, fruits and vegetables or frozen. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, all I did was I went to like the, uh, you know, the canned soup section and got a bunch of canned stew and this and that, which, you know, it might be fine to get me through, but it's not, may not be, you know, um, as healthy as getting, making my own frozen vegetables and, you know, and I didn't even think of those other options. So having messaging about that would have been helpful for me. Uh, and, and on, you know, a part of it is my fault because I wasn't even just thinking about that. But I think now a lot of people are going to think differently in that way. So like you said, any, anything that the retailers, the food retailers can do to help them along that journey or, you know, well, what happens Here's what you can do the next time we have something like this. Make sure you have these essential items, you know, these canned fruits, canned vegetables, can, you know, uh, canned meats. Yep. And, uh, and I think that'll be a, a big, help, big help for everybody. And I love that you just said that too, Joe, because it reminded me of another tip too. If there's a way to really rethink end caps and displays in store where you're pairing some shelf-stable items with some fresh items, like in front of a meat case, what canned fruits and vegetables would be seasonally appropriate with something because maybe somebody's buying a tenderloin for the first time and that's their nervous part that they've never cooked it before. It's not hard. They'll figure that out pretty quickly once they do it. But if you've got one new thing that you're trying and you can pair it with a more convenient item that has less work to prepare it, all of a sudden that full meal becomes a little bit easier to manage. And if you use one convenience items that may be a little bit higher in sodium, it's a perfect pairing to put it with something fresh to balance out the overall sodium of that meal. So that would be another tip for either social media or signage in stores or displays if it's possible to be nimble and, and change those now, is how do you pair food groups where one might be a little bit new to somebody to prepare or need a little bit more time to do whatever to it with something that's super easy as a side dish or an entree. So I think if we can really, we all talk about being customer centric or shopper centric. This is our moment to say, okay, it's dinner time. I need snacks for people. Like if I were to do this and I had limited cooking skills and limited time, how can I help people be successful with everything they choose to buy? And yep. all of a sudden you've got a steady drumbeat all the time that it's like, Hey, this takes a little bit longer, but while that's cooking, these three things can be done and everything will come together at the same time. So really focusing on the how to and the pairings of convenience and more labor intensive is, would be awesome if people did that. Or in my particular area, if they gave, you know, some, online lessons on all the things you can cook with a George Foreman grill and a frying pan. 
Yep. That's <laughs> that's ideal for me. <laughs> so so that's, <laughs> that's super fun too. I mean, I would watch that, especially if it was you. If you were filming yourself cooking, I would totally watch it and listen you to know, your tips. Yeah, it, I was blown away just how many different things you could do on it. So, um, yeah. uh, do you think now you mentioned before? Yeah, you can't eat your way out of this virus. However, if you have a history of eating well your immune system is going to be better able to protect you against it. Do you think there's going to be a little bit more of a focus on eating, you know, immunity boosting foods or just, uh, uh, just, you know, enhancing your immunity through diet um, after this is done? I love that you're bringing this topic up because the power of word choice is critical for us to think about when we're talking to our shoppers because we can't really boost our immune system but we can support our health and it might sound similar mm -hmm. but it's a very different thing and so to answer your question i think what's going to come out of this is the concept of nutrient density or some people call it nutrient rich what that means is for the calories and the foods that i'm choosing to eat what am I getting for that? Am I getting the most nutritional bang for my buck? And so what I mean by that is when you choose a source of protein, are you getting zinc, magnesium, iron, B12? Those are the kinds of questions that I think maybe people will be more interested in hearing a little bit more detail about. Mm -hmm. And maybe the focus, and I'm actually seeing that in social media conversation right now, there's a lot less angst about oh my gosh i can't believe you're eating that way or this way and it's more like wait a second what is this choice really doing for me and i think those subtle nuances if we can capitalize on that moment and say you know what this is a time that we need to talk about why the dietary guidelines are calling out those deep red orange green and yellow fruits and veggies well mm -hmm. the simple way to remember it is eat the color of rainbows in your produce. So when you're buying your fresh, dry, canned, frozen, buy every color of the rainbow. So carrots, green beans, spinach, yellow peppers, like whatever, all the different colors. And then you don't have to memorize every single nutrient that's in every single thing. The cool thing about that message is remembering to eat your colors. Every single color of fruit and vegetable offers a little bit of a different mix of nutrients. And I'm way oversimplifying it, but you could get into the science behind it. The science shows us that eating these different colors every single week, you got this. It can be that simple and say, hey, did I have something orange this week? Did I do green and yellow? Did I get red? And all of a sudden, your meals are colorful and beautiful and interesting. But those colors are providing different nutrients for us. In the protein group, you look at fish, pork, beef, chicken, beans, eggs, peanut butter. All of those different things are going to do different things for you. So if you can remember to have variety and you can remember to mix things up and really think about it from enjoying every single choice that you are willing to eat, that you like, you're going to have a wonderful mix of nutrients that are helping to support your health without you memorizing all of the different nuances of those different foods. Now you can dig into it and it's super fun to talk about, but most people probably don't have time to go through and memorize everything and they don't need to. Yeah. And you know, I've done, I do that myself. I'll get green peppers, red peppers, yellow peppers. And, uh, cause I remember years ago I went and, um, did a story on, 
I think you probably rem you know these guys, uh, Goodwin's Organic Market. And they're in Riverside, California. And every single thing in that store was organic or made with organic ingredients so that people didn't have to, like, you know, search them out. They knew everything, you know, there was organic. So it simplified that experience. But also, one thing that I remembered was the way they laid out their produce section was to really mix in all the colors. And at the end, they had a chart with all the colors and some of the benefits or nutrients that are typically found in produce of those colors. And that always stuck with me. And it was a simple merchandising thing that they did. But ever since then, I always remembered it for the rest of, you know, and that was yep. maybe eight or nine years ago. Well, and you brought up another good point, too, because organic and conventional is really much more of an agriculture conversation because nutritionally speaking, you are getting benefits from both types. And so that's a really good conversation to have with a farmer and with an agriculture expert, like what are the differences? What does that actually mean on the farm? And there's a really good TED Talk. Um, I actually linked to it in, in a couple of my blogs about a farmer talking about why we need all types of agriculture. From a nutritional perspective, any time that you want to buy that you like is awesome. You are getting the nutrition from it, and that's something to reassure people about right now, too. It's, there's a lot of different choice in the market. Eat what you're comfortable eating, but don't feel like you're getting less or more nutrition from some of these different products. And I think that's a really, really important conversation to have with people now, too. So I'm really glad that you brought that up. So I gravitate towards broccoli and peppers because I, I mm -hmm. for that exact reason, I'm like, these are very healthy. I know broccoli is incredibly healthy, but I just happen to love the taste. And, yep. uh, That's you know, a win-win, so, Joe. <laughs> exactly. So I'll just look for those foods. And, um, you know, I do have an organic market that's right outside my door. And what happened was, you know, the food is a little bit more expensive in there. But I think because of that, while everybody was raiding the grocery stores and everything, they still had stuff in stock. So I was able to find some. I mean, granted, some of it was more expensive, but I was able to get my stuff, go in and out in five minutes, and then stock up on all these things. But in, the, but in relation to what I would normally spend during the week, getting takeout at least once a day, it's really not that expensive. So it was a good way for me to, you know, convenience, there was availability. There weren't lines. There weren't as many yep. people in there. So I was able to, uh, to stock up you know, on some good stuff. And what you just listed out there is a beautiful conversation to have, too, because there are so many different reasons why people buy what they buy. There are so many reasons about logistics now, in particular, that are coming into play. And it's really such a matrix of decision-making. And I think across the food supply chain, literally from farm to table and, and beyond into food waste and all of that conversation, when we look at that, if we over-focus on one aspect, there's a push-pull with all the other decision-making things that we have to do. And so I think that's a moment where it's like, okay, well, I really like this kind of fruit or vegetable. Take a moment to really understand the story of that fruit or vegetable. Like, where is it really from? 
why is it grown where it is? And, and this is my joking way of, of talking about it, but I live in Illinois. And there's no banana farms here for a reason. It's not smart to grow bananas in this climate. <laughs> so all of a sudden you, you can have this really interesting, wow, I never thought about that before. Wow, I never thought about why I buy what I buy. The more you can connect with all of those nuances, the better off we're going to be because you can confidently make those choices. And the other thing that, that spurred a thought with me with what you just said is portion control. How important is portion control now to make sure that we get the nutrition that we need every day, but we don't overdo it and run out of whatever before we need to? So having portion control not only helps maximize our food purchases, it helps us maximize what we need to do for our health and our bodies, giving us what we need, not too much, not too little. But it also reminds us that whatever food we choose to eat, if we watch our portion sizes, you can make pretty much anything fit into a balanced meal because it's not just one food. It's not just one snack or meal. It's the combination of things that you eat over time, over the day, over the week, over the month. And that is a conversation that I think we need to have much more often. And literally, these days, portion control can save your life because you're not going out as much to get food. I mean, anytime you go out, you risk getting the virus. I mean, any, when you, if you just look at how many things we touch and how many things and people we interact with, even if we're maintaining social distance, you may be maintaining social distance, but then you touch a counter that somebody with uh, the virus touched uh, a day or two before and get it. So anything that, you know, minimizes your having to go out uh, this, you know, during this time is good. And portion control is one of the things that will help do that. One of my favorite conversations and hand washing is one of my other favorite ones. And if you go back in time to all of the stuff that I've written, anytime I can talk about hand washing and cooking the proper temperature, that is another steady drumbeat, and it's almost silly not to wash your hands. I mean, it, uh, no, I, maybe I'll go out on a limb and say it is silly to not wash your hands. It's simple. It's so effective in stopping the transmission of germs, even with the common cold. And I mean, you could make a list of why you would want to wash your hands. And so I think this is going to be another moment for people that if you're in a public place and somebody sees you not washing your hands, they're not going to think highly of you. <laughs> Yeah. So I think this is a really, really good opportunity to say, if you haven't been washing your hands before you cook, during your cooking, after you cook, when you come home from the store, now's your chance. This is a chance to build that new skill and really help make sure that you're being as food safe as possible. Because if you're handling raw meat and then you're handling raw vegetables, there should be a hand washing moment in between that. If you're grocery shopping and then you come home to put things away, wash your hands. It's, it's just a really good habit to get into if, if you haven't been. And we get busy. You know, it's, nobody ever intentionally doesn't do something that's good for them. But now we've got these extra moments that we can start to think about those new habits that we might want to establish or celebrate the good habits that you already have. I think too often we forget to do that too. And it's like, wow, I've been kind of exercising at home. I'm still doing that. Good for me. Like those moments are super important and it's okay to have a moment where you're proud of some of those things that you've been doing for yourself. And I've seen some funny, uh, this, this comment online on social media 
but it drives the point home. It says, wash your hands as if you've just been cutting up a jalapeno <laughs> and you're going to put contacts in right after you wash hands. <laughs> I'm laughing because I saw that. Exactly. It's like, okay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and you know what? I've done that. I've, one time I, I cut up jalapenos and I pulled the seeds out with my fingers, which I didn't realize that's oh. where, you know, and all of a sudden my face, you know, like later on my face was burnt. And I'm wondering why. And then, it, you know, then it was one of those duh moments where I shouldn't have done that in the first place. And I didn't wash my hands enough. And, uh, you know, I paid for it. But uh, it took a while before it, I actually was able to get it, you know, off where it wouldn't burn. But uh, so, yeah, so I think a very important lesson. So final question, since you're from yep. Chicago, and I asked this of all my Chicago podcast interviews, are you a deep dish or thin crust pizza fan? No, my authentic answer is it depends on who I'm eating with and how often I've had it. I actually like both for different reasons. So I've got a friend who comes in maybe a couple of times a year, and there's a specific deep dish pizza place that we always go to because he doesn't live here. So we always have to go there. From a thin crust perspective, sometimes a really crunchy thin crust goes really great with certain toppings. So it depends on the mood, the people, and how often. Okay, that was a little diplomatic answer. <laughs> it's well, the you, truth, though, and you, always people want people to pick a side, and oftentimes I find myself enjoying not picking a side because it's okay to like two things. <laughs> not picking the side is actually, you know, being the rebel. So, uh, yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> I'm a thin crust guy, but you know what? I realize I haven't really given a deep dish an honest day in court because the one time I went to Giordano's, uh, I was starving and I was by myself and by when I heard it was going to be 45 minutes, I just said, forget <laughs> it. Give me the chicken color Parmesan with spaghetti. So if mm -hmm. I had been there with friends where we're maybe having an appetizer or something, you know, I would have waited, you know, but at that time I didn't want to wait. So I didn't get to try like a, a true deep dish. So like right now it's thin crust. But I will give it a shot in, uh, next time I'm in Chicago. And hopefully that won't be you, too long from now. I was going to say, you let me know when you're here, and we will go. And then I will give you the options of which types of deep dish that you're going to want to consider because there's a crust conversation. There's a what kind of toppings do you need? How do you like your sauce? A little bit more spicy or sweet? I mean, this is the matrix of delightful questions that come up when you have a simple question like that about food, which is awesome. I think you would be the perfect person to do that with. So uh, it's, it's a deal. <laughs> we'll, we'll get that done. So, so for anybody who's looking to connect with you, uh, can mm -hmm. you tell us your website and maybe spell it out because your name is a little different than it sounds. Yes. Thank you for that. So my website is my name, Tim .com, So K I M K I R. C-H-H-E-R-R, -R, so two H's and two R's, and I'm on Twitter and Facebook, same thing, just look for Kim Kircher, LinkedIn, whatever is most comfortable for people I share in all of those different areas. I'm on Instagram a little bit, but I'm not as active on that one, um, but Excellent. thank you so much for the opportunity for that, too. Oh, no, my pleasure, and thank you so much for uh, joining us. A lot of great information. I certainly learned a lot during this podcast interview as well, so, uh, so thank you very much.
Well, it was a lot of fun and it's a super important topic and that's my favorite combination. So thank you so much for doing these podcasts and for having me on. I really appreciate it. Well, we'll definitely have you back. Uh, we'll, we'll cover some different topics uh, ongoing. That sounds great. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Joe. Bye-bye.